I want to welcome Carl, Pastor Carl Binger to speak this afternoon. He has been a blessing in our lives. I've watched him grow up in the Lord. <sighs> I remember when he was just a little Christian and uh, just a baby Christian. Actually, I knew him when he was a heathen. That was even better. Yeah. I knew him when he wasn't even saved. And I, I even liked him back then. He's a good man. Good, good, uh, good to see the Lord moving in his life, leading him and guiding him and causing him to grow and seeing the, the fruit of his labor. Amen? Let's welcome Pastor Carl Banger. Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear me all right? Am I good? Audibly? Can you hear me? Coming through all right? Good. Well, you know, there's been a lot of stuff already spoken. So, you know, as I was sitting here listening to everything, it, it, it dawned on me that you know, I, I don't have much to add because everything has been spoken, but it, it, it reminds me of a book, right? You know the title of the book. Uh, for example, I'm reading out of, <clears throat> for class, I'm reading, a, it's actually a chapter, 20 pages on general revelation. Right? It's just this one topic, and they could have summed it up in one sentence, right? But you get 20 pages of information to help clarify that point so that you remember it. It just keeps pounding at home over and over and over again. And so uh, what I ha- hope to add to is to help solidify some of that information that we've, that we've already gathered. But before I do, I want to have the privilege to welcome or introduce you guys to my co-pastors, uh, Tom and Cindy. Why don't you come on up here? They're going to be up here in a, preaching in a little bit. But <clears throat> for those of you who have been tracking us on Facebook this is a new look for Tom. He used to have hair that would compete with Pastor Greg. Actually, it was more than Pastor Greg. Where is Pastor Greg? Yeah. So, actually, we have a picture. So, um, Did you ever get a picture? Yeah, it's on the video. So, Pastor Tom and Cindy, uh, we have been ministering for, with each other for about five years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, last year, as you guys recall, uh, we merged. And so, now we are uh, great. We call, it, we call ourselves, we have a bunch of names, RVCC. Rush City, Grandy, IHS, so whatever you want to call us, we're, we're uh, ambidextrous and just passing through, right, so we've got all kinds of names. So, but we, we, we've got a video here that, uh, that we will uh, want to show you guys, and if you want to go ahead and just kind of explain some of the stuff that we've been through through the past year. Rosie, our worship leader here, the Filipino, is the one who did this for us. She has been a great blessing for us. There will be some music here. That's the old pole barn, if you recall. There's the hippie I was talking about. There's his garage. This is where he started his church. our first outreach together.
<laughs> this was a luau we did last year. There was a tornado the night that we had a movie outreach, and so we had 60 people in the basement of this community center. Amen. Yeah. Rosie, stand up. Let me at least introduce you. This is our worship leader. She's got a heart of gold. She did this for us. So, yeah, we had a very active and powerful year of ministry. Every year I keep saying it's been the most powerful year of my entire life of ministry. And last year was 
was of no exception. It was absolutely powerful. Uh, and it's just a maze. You know, we get to step back and just, you know, at first we thought, you know, at least myself, we're, I'm a man, Tom's a man. We think, yeah, you know, this is us. We're doing something here. But after a while, you step back and say, that's not us. That can't be us. And, uh, and so as soon as we did that, we actually get to sit, take the view of, of what that looks like as a spectator of God, though, working through us. So it's been absolutely powerful, and we've been loving it. Um, there's our picture, yeah, so you can see we've got standing room only in the back there pretty much, and uh, this is in the community center that we now meet in, so um, it's, a good, it's a good problem, yeah, we're, we're enjoying it. it gets, they don't need to turn the heat on in the place, all right? Yeah, yeah, well, for the two ladies, yeah, they do. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a ride. So, anyways, uh, well, let's get started again. As I said, um, uh, I don't have much to add. I'm just going to solidify what we've already been speaking on. And uh, so much of this will be a repeat. I hope to have something, at least one or two things unique for my own uh, character here. But uh, ambassadors have no name, right? They have no name, no fame. No, they're, they're not representing themselves. They are representing... Uh, the voice of somebody else. They are a proxy, right? They are speaking on behalf of somebody else. They don't have their own message, per se. Uh, last year, to recall, Egypt was in turmoil, right? They had all this stuff going on with the president, and Barack Obama sent an ambassador down to Egypt. The interesting thing was, it wasn't the actual ambassador of Egypt. It was his legacy, or the previous ambassador, Mr. Mark Wisner, Jr. And um, I'm not sure what that reason was, apart from it was probably a relationship deal. That, that, that ambassador had a better relationship with the president. And so the president gave Mr. Wisner a message, or a recommendation for that president. Right? And it was for him to step down, was that message. And so Mr. Wisner actually went overseas and, and presented that message to the president. That was uh, an earthly status, or, or earthly example, rather, of an ambassador. Right? So I think we have that covered on, on what the core of, of an ambassador is from an earthly perspective, at least. Uh, so that brings me to the point of our message, or my message, is that we are ambassadors of our sovereign, right? Capital S, of the king or the ruler. And we're not sent, Paul says, Paul says in Galatians 1.1, he says that he's, he, he's not an apostle. He's not called from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Right? So we are ambassadors not sent by men or man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. And Paul just spoke on this, but, but being an ambassador is essentially an extension of the Great Commission. Right? 28, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? Jesus was sending out these 11 or so individuals out into a world. This was a daunting task. Can you imagine just 11 of you? You guys right here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, close to us 11 people right here, right? Jesus telling us, 11 people, that we're going to go change the world. Could you imagine that, right? 
I think I would have said, Jesus, are you, are you going to start uh, your, your comic stand-up now, right? This is your new ministry. You're going to be a comedian, right? It was a daunting task for 11 people to go into the world and change the world. But here's the difference. When Mr. Barack Obama sent Mr. Wisner over, he sent him with just a message, a recommendation. What the world doesn't have is Matthew 28, 20. When Jesus says, Behold, I am with you. Or the King James Version says, Lo, right? Probably the shortest phrase of expression. L-O, Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you. Or behold, as the other translations say. He's saying, I know, I know that this task that I am giving you is absolutely absurd. And there's no way that you can do it. It's outside of your control. But lo, I, I am with you, he says. He tells us that he is with us. So Jesus gives us assurance that we are not alone serving him as ambassadors. And Paul also uh, noted this too, but when we go out as ambassadors for him, we have the power of the Trinity with us. Isn't that awesome? We got Luke 12, 12 that says, hey, when we don't know the message, when we, when we haven't prepared a message, 12, 12 tells us, uh, Luke 12, 12 says, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what to say. So we've got the Holy Spirit working with us and in us and speaking through us. We have Matthew 28, 20, where Jesus is with us. And then we have God that goes before us, right? He's already prepared the place, right? Deuteronomy 130 is one of those references. The Lord your God who goes before you, right? 31.8 says the same thing. And Jesus says something similar when he says that, right, when he goes to heaven, he's going to prepare a place for us. Christ, he's always, God is always in front of us, right? So it's not such a daunting task when we start realizing that, that it's not us. I mean, we are, we are vessels, right? We're just, we're just suits is all we are, carrying a message. And that's the biggest difference between us and an earthly ambassador. They, they don't have that power. They have their little embassy that they can go running to. But they do not have the power of the Most High God with them. Speaking the Most High's message. Going back to the uh, Great Commission passage, you know, sometimes, I think Pastor Dan made note on this as well, we look at that and we say, you know, it was just for those 11 people. It was just, that message was just for those 11 people. Or maybe for the, the five-fold ministry, or, or you know what, those evangelists. Those are the guys that are supposed to do that, right? Yes, yes yeah, just those evangelists, Right? But it's, it's a message for all of us. Right? This was a direct revelation to all of us. And, and, and God doesn't just say it one time in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 5, which we've been looking at, we learn that we're all supposed to be doing this. God here, he restates our job duties. He says it in a much more formal way, a little more theology in it, if you will. Right? I call this the two-by-four effect. Oh, you didn't hear what I was saying in, in Matthew 28, 20? Well, here, let me give you 2 Corinthians. Turn there, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're going to bookmark that one and come back here. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making the appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Isn't that powerful? God has entrusted us with a message. Right? God has given us a message. We are therefore ambassadors for Christ. We must get this. This is the very core of it. We are all ambassadors. Not one of us gets to, to say otherwise. We all have a message for the world. We all are carrying a message with us. We are all representing the king. Also, what has been said quite a few times is that ambassadors are sent from another land into a foreign land, if you will. And back in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? So what God says is, hey, I'm pulling you out. I'm pulling you out of this world, but I'm sending you right back in. I'm sending you right back in as an ambassador. Right? And Jesus tells us that we are, we're born again. Right? Paul says, and we've all said this, or it's been said a few times, that our citizenship is in heaven. We're, we're not from this place. Therefore, we are here as representatives of our hometown of the sovereign of the king, and we are representing him by carrying a message of reconciliation to this lost world that, that in many ways represents what was going on in Egypt, right? All the rioting, all the chaos, all the, 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 the debauchery probably that was happening in the streets there, all the rebellion against the rulers. And we are to tell them that there is a way to be reconciled unto God. But here's the problem. How many of us know that the gospel is offensive? Right? The message we carry is that of grace, but it's also a message of what? Judgment. Yeah, right? Yeah. It brings about a self-awareness of one's sins, and not too many people will receive that message well. So therefore, I want to, this is the heart of my message here. I want to give us three points for us all to take away from this message. And we'll go into each of these, but in order to be an effective ambassador, we need to have knowledge, knowledge of our subject, of our message. We need to be tactful, awareness of how we come across with that knowledge we have. And the third point, which has been hit home already, we need to have character. We need, our character must reflect that knowledge of that message that we carry, right? So starting with knowledge. Proverbs 1.7 says that the beginning, just the beginning, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. This is, we're talking a, a reverent fear. This isn't a cowering, you know, tail between the leg. This is a reverent fear. So what, what the author is saying there is we need to be in line with God. 
We need to have a right standing relationship with God. We need to revere God. And that is just the, that's just the foundation, right? As a masonry, you'd understand that's just the foundation on which everything shall be built upon. It's just the beginning of knowledge. We need to be in proper relationship with God. We must know who we are representing. That is part of the knowledge. We, we must be constantly in the scriptures and aware of what the scriptures are communicating. What our message is. Solidifying that message. How am I speaking? Fast? Slow? All right. <laughs> so we must know who and what we are representing. We need to know what the scripture says. And I would even say it doesn't hurt us to know even what the opposing views are of certain things, right? We need to have that ready defense, Peter says, right? I saw a sign, uh, I don't know, a few weeks back, and it said, it's a nice little marketing slogan sign. It said, pet cremation services, do, do pets go to heaven, <laughs> right? And in the bottom of it said, a nice little marketing slogan, you know, font was beautiful. It said, we believe so. And, you know, it's not, it's not a bad question. I mean, how many of us have asked the question if Fumfi is up in heaven, right? I mean, so it's not a question. Yeah, it's not so bad. My kids ask me, too, that's that very same question, and I've even asked it. But the point is, is what does the Bible say about that? What do we know about animals in heaven? Right? Do animals have souls? Horses. Yeah, there's horses in there, right? <laughs> Paul, that was just... Just for Paul, he's got a job up there. I'm still wondering what I'm going to be doing. I'll be cleaning up the horses. <laughs> I can do that pretty good. I got good at the shovel on the farm. But we ought to know these opposing things, right? We need to be able to say, yes, I know that your animal can go to heaven if he can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Right? But the purpose, though, isn't, isn't to make fun of the animals that aren't so fortunate as us. But it's to know that what our level of confidence is in the Scriptures, right? We have got to be ingrained in this, right? I mean, we don't have to be scholastic and all this, but we need to know the fundamentals of this. And we need to know the opposing, right? Right? We must be able to speak with authority, not as people pleasers, as Paul says in Galatians 1.10, but in effort to reveal Christ, that message that we, that we carry. It's not a marketing slogan that we carry around. It's not just something that we have. Yeah, I know I got this little marketing slogan, but right, it is a powerful message that we have. We must contain knowledge of our subject, and that is that God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. In that all people, all undeserving people, all of us, all the Carl Bingers in the world, all the Pastor Toms in the world, right? Everybody, murderers, adulterers, haters, everybody needs to hear this message of reconciliation. That is, that they can be made right by embracing the cross of Christ. One last point on knowledge. We must know, we must grasp this, and I've, I've said it already too, that the Holy Spirit is within us. He's already with us. We have got the, the knowledge and the power with us. We have to be aware of that. Our, our confidence need not be in man, 
But we need to be confident that we know that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us and that we are not alone, right? Jesus says, lo, I am with you. It's been said that, this is a very daunting statistic for this room, by the way, 90 to 95% of everything that you hear will be forgotten in 72 hours. Yeah. Talk about vanity, right? We should all turn to Ecclesiastes. Vanity. Nothing is new under the sun, right? Let's eat, drink, and be merry, all right? For tomorrow we die. All right? It's a daunting statistic. And the reason I bring that up is so that we can articulate our words. We can articulate our knowledge. We need to be so grounded in that knowledge that something sticks. We got a 5 to 10% chance of lasting more than three days. All week, you know how many hours we put into these and research and everything? Three days, 5%. That's... So we have to be aware of how we carry that message. And that brings me to our second point, being tactful. As I said, we know that the gospel is offensive, right? Paul knew that he was commanded to go against the grain with this offensive message. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Paul is completely aware of how this gospel sounds. He says, I've got a message that sounds so ridiculous to this world, and yet I am commanded to go out and to speak it. And these people think it's foolishness. It's rubbish to them. But he says, it is the gospel. It is the truth, and it must be proclaimed. Just down a few verses in the same chapter, he says, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and a folly to Gentiles. That's something. People, they, they can't wrap their mind around this. This is, this is a, a, a heavenly message that we are proclaiming. And people cannot wrap their minds around this. One scholar said that, that the cross is, is, is like cosmic child abuse. That's, isn't that some Cosmic child abuse. It, it, it doesn't fit well with the native mind that we're in, right? The natives of the land. It doesn't fit well. Therefore, we must be tactful in our approach because the gospel is already in by itself offensive. We don't need to make it any more offensive. So Paul, though, has a beautiful job of doing this. Um, he goes out of his way, right? We know it. Paul becomes all things to all people, he says. He says, through the, um, to the Jews I became a Jew. This is in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, uh, in order to win the Jews. So those under the law I became as one under the law. And he goes on and on and on. And then he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, right? He became all things to all people. And he does it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Becomes all things to all people. We don't have to change the message. We cannot change the message. But we can change our method, or we can adapt our method to the natives, to the land that we are coming into. We need to tailor our message to the natives. People, as as has been said in here quite a few times, is people need connections. 
They need these relationships, right? This, this continuing. We need to connect with them on some level. Natasha, or was it Natasha the Russian gal? You picked up on that, right? You walked into a room and you sensed that there was something else, that you saw something that you could grasp a hold of and relate to this gal. Yeah. Paul does the same thing. Paul does it. He's absolutely beautiful. If you want to turn to Acts 17. It's absolutely amazing how he does this. And, and this really hits home his, I became all things to all people. Acts 17, 16. You can turn to Acts 17, verse 16. That's where we'll start. We may not read this whole thing, but I'll read some of it. But Paul uses a tactful approach. He walks into this pagan city, right? He sees nothing but gods and Romans. And, and verse 16 says, or, yeah, verse 16 says uh, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. You know the zealous Paul. He wanted to get up and start preaching repentance, idolatry, you know, and all these things that, that, that were just stirring in his system. But he didn't. You can imply that he, he must have, you know, he took a step back and, and just surmised at what was going on in this city. Because his senses here catch a hold of something within their culture, within their environment that he could relate to them to build this relationship. And then through that, he proxies, he gives the gospel message through this. So if we jump down to verse 22 to 34, I'll read some of this, I'll probably stop. Paul then stood up in the meeting. So here he is. He's in Athens. He's uh, kind of taken in all that he's seen uh, in this city that he walked into with all this paganism going on. He stands up, stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Right? You see that right there? He makes a connection. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with inscription. To the unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. That's something. How oh, he just kind of slipped that right in. He, his, his senses were out there. He's, he's, he's scavenging or scouring his environment to connect with these people with something on. Right? And then he gives them the gospel message, essentially. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven. And the earth does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives men life and breath and everything else. And so he just goes on and he just gives them essentially the gospel through this. But he makes that connection with them. He brought the gospel via something that they could relate to. And at the end of the chapter, it says that many people, they flocked after Paul. They started following him. And some of them said, hey... We want some more of that. We want some more of whatever you're talking about. But yet you still had some that said, get out of here. We don't want none of that Jesus stuff, right? Right? So we're not going to be able to please everybody with our message. That's not our job. We're not people pleasers. We're God pleasers. And not everybody's going to be able to grab a hold of this uh, message that we have, this heavenly message. But we need to be tactful in it. So we can at least deduce that number down to the very limited. Uh, you know, we're we're going to get these people just like in Job. I have this up here. 
on the screen. Job 21.14. This is the reactions of some of these people. They say to God, depart from us. We don't desire the knowledge of your ways. Right? We want to continue doing what we're doing. Right? I know you got a message, but I don't want to hear it. There's always going to be those people. Jesus says what? Just brush off your feet. Move on. Truck in. Right? That's not a good song to be singing. That wasn't part of the notes, by the way. Yeah. See, that's the problem. I've been learning to get away from my notes, but then what happens is I find myself down a dead-end road, and it's... Yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah, right. I don't, I don't like dead-end roads. That's when your face gets red, and yeah, people start leaving. So just remember, though, the gospel is offensive. We don't need to add any more offense to it, right? But we also must remember not to remove any. Okay. Let me leave you with this passage. One last passage for this point. 1 Peter 3.15. This is uh, the ready defense passage I spoke of earlier mentioned. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord as holy. Always, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And this, I love this. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's tactful. That's being tactful. All right, that leads me to my third point. Character. As ambassadors, our character should be continuous. You know, we're not supposed to be walking around stuck-up Christians like, hey, I've got a gold mansion waiting for me, right? And you don't, right? That is not our calling. That is not our character, rather. Although we might say that in our fleshly side sometimes, right? But the point is that we must be in constant awareness of who we are representing. And this means at all times or as often as possible. You know, we as Christians, somebody even said it already, we, we've got a big red X on our backs or a big, big X on our back already. Just because we're Christians, people are looking at us. And I made this analogy a month back or so, but we've got to take that red X and if we turn that just a little bit, we've got the sign of the Red Cross on us, right? That Red Cross is a sign of refuge. In the midst of life storms, we are a people that these uh, people, other people can hurt, uh, come to in the midst of life storms. Those people that are hurting, we are people that they can entrust their concerns with. We are a brethren or a family that can assist them and heal them of their inner wounds that have offended and separated them from God. Our character must be in line with that. We, we, we cannot walk falsely in our faith. If we are anything less than genuine, yes. it's going to be revealed. It will be made known. It, it just comes out, Right? I mean, guilty. I, I, I'm, I'm flesh too. Half flesh, half spirit. Right? And sometimes the flesh wins. But we need to be made genuine. We need, we need to be aware of our shortcomings and recognize them. You know? If, 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 if a non-believer sees us stumbling, hey, you can just say, man, I know this isn't my character. We've got to be honest with these people and let them know, I know that this is my faith and I just went against it. Right? We've got to be open and honest with everything that we're doing. We can't just put up fronts and, 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 and stand behind that and say, you know, because what happens then is that, that wall starts coming back and next thing you know, you're backed into a corner, right? Because all you've done is just spread flesh 
Echoes of flesh all over. So we need to be real with ourselves. We need to let God tap in and say, where are we, where are we fooling ourselves? What needs to be cleaned up here? Because that's all going to help our message of reconciliation. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where I'll be in for the rest of it here. Just a couple pages left. Ephesians 4, chapter, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Chapter 4, 1 through 3, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have all been called into salvation. That's what he's saying there. We have all been called into salvation. We must walk in a manner worthy of that calling. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Jumping down to uh, uh, 29. He says, verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. If you jump down just another verse to 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Our walk is to be holy and, and, and separate from that of the world. I think somebody else may have made a reference to this, but uh, I'll regurgitate it here. People don't want to read Bibles, right? The, the, the world, the, the natives of this land that we are in, they don't want to read Bibles. But they have an interest in reading the people that do read the Bibles, don't they? They always are curious about what we are doing. People who read this thing and study this thing. What are those foreign people, right? It's like was it Avatar. Right? When those people came over to their own planet, it's like, who are these wild beasts, right? They're, 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 they're not from here. They speak different language. They do different things. They act different. Right? We eat a lot better than them. <laughs> I can smell the food just stirring in here. I thought it was a spirit grumbling in my stomach, but I think it's just the smell of the food. So people don't want to read a Bible. They want to read the people that do read the Bible. I pulled this quote from Henry Emil. It's from uh, the mid-1800s. and says, I'll say it twice because it's it's, um, kind of a tongue twister. But be what you wish others to become. Let yourself and not your words preach for you. I'll say it again. Be what you wish others to become. Let yourself and not your words preach for you. I think that's good stuff there. So in closing, I just want to review briefly what we've spoke about. So ambassadorship is not for the faint of heart. Right? We have no fame, no name, and no gain. It's not in it for us. We don't get much. We get our eternal reward, which is great. But our message is not our own. We're not carrying our own message. We need to recall that message that we have. We are representing the God of all in a foreign land with a message of reconciliation. God has entrusted us, has entrusted every single one of us in here with the message of reconciliation. And I believe He has gifted every single body, every person in here with that ability to carry that out.
right? We've got, we've got the Trinity with us. We've got the Holy Ghost with us. We've got Jesus who is with us. We've got God who has gone before and declared the locations for us, right? Our focus, then, is to maintain and extend our knowledge on God, His ways, His love, His wrath, His justice, His mercies, the message we carry. We need to ingrain that into our very being. The second thing is we, we need to be tactful in our approach. Not worrying about condemning. Because God didn't say, I gave you a message of condemnation. He says, I gave you, I am entrusting you with a message of reconciliation. Okay? Our message is reconciliation with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. And that last part of the verse 15 there in, in chapter 4 says, We need to pay attention to our character. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Before I pray, I just want to um, leave you with one more pas- passage from Paul. I was saturated with Ephesians uh, during this uh, message, if you can tell. But Ephesians 5 says, "Look, 5, 15 and 16, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Our message does expire. right? There's, there's an expiration date on our message. Either when we expire or when... The Lord returns, right? There's an expiration on that message. And so we have got to be proclaiming that while we are here. With that, I will uh, pray. Lord God, we just thank you for this uh, day. Thank you for this message. Lord, it has been powerful in my own life, God, and, and uh, just listening to everybody's uh, viewpoints, Lord, and how you're communicating with them, Lord, on this topic. Thank you for this church. We thank you for this gathering, Lord. We pray that we will be strengthened, built up, Lord, empowered, God, for this. And I pray whatever, Lord, that I spoke that may, uh, uh, may that I just pray for the things to stick, Lord, that you, would, that you would want to stick, Lord. That 5%, that 5 to 10% stuff, Lord, I pray that you would make that stick, Lord, God. We thank you again for this time. Give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.